Well, we've been marching. That's a, that's a beautiful song. I remember one year at annual conference, they sang the song and the pastors started clapping and they got up and got out in the aisles and the lay people got out in the aisles and they started marching around St. Peter's United Methodist Church in Ocean City. And they just kept singing and singing the song. It makes me uh, feel very warm inside to recall that memory. We're on a journey. The series we're starting today talks about our march towards Zion, the journey. The joy is in the journey. You'll remember or be reminded that last summer we talked about that great quote by C.S. Lewis in the profound book that he wrote about all of us are growing our spiritual face. And Lewis said, how shall we stand before God face to face until we have faces? And we considered together in a summer sermon series, what is the face of Trinity now, today? So if the Lord called us today and we were called from Trinity to stand before the Lord, who are we? And what is our mission? And what is our common understanding together? And we thought about that in kickoff a week for kickoff Sunday, we began to speak about getting real, what it means to get, to get real, to authentically be the people of God. And we talked about being vital and living generously. And then, of course, right up into early December, we challenged our congregation to take a step forward, a step forward in talking with God and to live for Him. A step forward in being in mission. A step forward in our, our giving, what we're offering God by way of our, our financial gifts and our stewardship gifts of ourself and the time that we give Him. And so we've been thinking about all of these things, growing our face, what it means to be real and vital, to live into life generously, and to take a step forward. But now it's an invitation to take more than just a step forward, but to begin to walk together. Stan Key, president of the Francis Asbury Society, has just released a book saying, we're asking people to journey to spiritual wholeness. So the title of the book is Journey to Spiritual Wholeness. Where are you going? It's one thing to say, we're going on a trip, we're going on a journey, but where are we going? We're going to spiritual wholeness. We're journeying with God. As disciples of Christ, we're seeking to be real, vital, authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. We also spent the summer in developing a leadership covenant. And... That leadership covenant was the commitment we make to God and to one another, but mostly in the integrity of our own walk on how we conduct ourselves on that journey. It makes a difference how you conduct yourself on the journey. You know, I have here with me, if I was David Letterman, I'd say I have top 10 things that are attitudes of the people. But I, I, I look at these every once in a while and they just kill me because they're actual church announcement bloopers. You know, you can speak and get tongue-tied along the way. We, 
We've had some beauties up here in the time I've been here between Scott and me and other people that have come up, just some beauties come out. You think, oh my, that's not what I quite meant to say, but I said it anyway. So here's some things that you could hear in the new year if you're catching people at their worst moment in church. The way announcements are made. Here's one. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Yeah, that's... Uh, we might need to bring a little separation between the way we say that. Thursday night, potluck summer. And then there's a potluck supper. And then there's a, 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 a misspelled word. Prayer and medication to follow. I think they meant to say meditation. But maybe it was medication, depending on what was served at that potluck. I don't know. Remember in prayer, the many who are sick of our church and community. They, I think they meant to say in, but nonetheless, it's there and there, there it is. And uh, here's a beauty. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery upstairs. <laughs> well, I don't know about that one. And I'll finish with this one. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair the way that one turned out. Suffice it to say that when you're on the journey, all kinds of things happen. Some hilarious things happen. Some joyful things happen. Some difficult, difficult things happen. Sorrowful things happen. But be assured, when we walk with God... That walk is anything but boring. Sometimes we fall short in our thinking. We think life as a church, so we think about walking in the church. But you see, to walk in the church without walking with God creates an immediate disconnect. We're thinking about the journey of the walk of faith. Walking with God. Remember in those great teachings of Scripture, Abraham went out looking for a city not made with hands. St. Augustine wrote that great monograph, encyclopedic, The City of God. We're marching to Zion. Isaiah 35 said that when the Messiah comes, there will be a highway a roadway in the middle of the desert. And when the Messiah comes, there will actually be flowers beginning to bloom in the desert. There will be streams in the desert. That was the name of the second best devotional, the second best selling devotional book of the 20th century. Streams in the desert. And listen to Isaiah 35. And a highway will be there a roadway, and it will be called the way of holiness. No lion will be found there, nor any ravenous beast. But it will be for the ones who walk that way. And then the Bible says, and they will come to Zion with everlasting joy upon their heads.
Now notice, it's saying that the presence of evil is not going to be permitted on this highway to holiness. Sometimes it's easy for people to assume that because God loves everybody, everybody will be on that journey. That's not what the Scripture says. As a matter of fact, definitively it says, that journey is only for those who want to walk that way. And do you know the journey of Exodus says that the people who were on the journey didn't make it. Most of them perished in unbelief in the wilderness. Wow, what a horrific thought. That's not the good news we're after today, but it's a reality check to say all of us recognize that faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and the walk of faith, the journey, is a journey for those who want to live by faith. The just person lives by faith. And it's not a faith that we don't have any responsibility. God just has to forgive us the way we are. That's, that's only a half-truth. As a matter of fact, in the history of the church, that's known as heresy. It's only half a truth that say, since God loves everybody, anybody who wants to go can go. No, no, no. That's half the truth. The other truth is that it's for those who put their trust in God and walk with God. And can you imagine this? In that journey from the Exodus, they murmured one another to death. Man, that's a death that's worse than a heart attack to get murmured to death. That's a slow, torturous death <laughs> to, get, to get murmured to death. Have you ever been in a group of people where all of a sudden it all, it all, turned, uh, it all turned negative and, and, and people, instead of supporting one another, it, it was rough? That's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Nobody wants to come on a journey like that. But this is a journey that Christ invites you to come to by faith, by grace through faith. And if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He'll help us. But there's a disposition in the heart. It is a journey of faith and a journey to wholeness. And what's the purpose of the journey? Nobody said it better than that six foot, six inch lawyer who started a church in Harlem, went on to become one of the great evangelists. Actually, he was the Billy Graham of the 19th century in the 1800s, of course, and wound up president of Oberlin College when Oberlin was walking with Christ. And here's what he said. Now, the journey of faith, the business of the church, is to reform the world, to put away every kind of sin. Say, when's the last time you came to church and the disposition of your heart was, I wonder if today we can covenant with our brothers and sisters to put away every kind of sin. The Church of Christ was originally organized to be a body of reformers. 
The very profession of Christianity implies the profession and virtually an oath to do all that can be done for the universal reformation of the world. The Christian church was designed to make aggressive movements in every direction, to lift up her voice, put forth her energies against iniquity in high and low places, to reform individuals, communities, and governments, and never rest until the kingdom and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High God, until every form of iniquity shall be driven from the earth. You see, it's a journey with a mission. It's a journey with a purpose. It's a journey to stand against the things that God stands against, but for life itself, to live into it with the love and disposition of the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney had it right. Not only did he have it right, there were such spiritual revivals taking place in Harlem, New York, that it led to building the largest church in New York City. And then Mr. Finney finished the mission there and Mr. Wanamaker, who owned the Wanamaker store, in, uh, he, he later called Finney's successor, D.L. Moody, to come and to preach on a train car in Philadelphia to have a revival service. Things that made a difference in our location, with our hearts, with our people. And so God, in a very real way, began to do significant things. The Bible provides the roadmap for the journey. God provides the mission, but the Bible becomes our roadmap. As Christians, we need to use our Bible. God gives us direction. You remember when Amy Grant sang that song, Thy Word? is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We also used to say we want to hide that word in our hearts that we might not sin against God. The, Bible's, the Bible provides a road map for the journey, and the journey is also a map of morality. There are morals and ethics in it. I'll be returning to the classroom in the fall and one of the things i'll be teaching is is ethics but ethics was part of every master of divinity curriculum in the united states of america at the turn of the 20th century at the turn of the 21st century it's just an elective that you may take or you may not take say what happens when our journey ceases to be an ethical journey. You know James, the half-brother of Jesus. I, I often thought he must have heard Jesus speak a lot. I mean, he lived with him. And he went home with him. And he was a brother to him. And we say a half-brother because we said it in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And so his father was his heavenly father, but his mother was James's mother, Mary. So they were brothers. But when you get to the epistle of James, do you know what he starts tomahawking on? He starts hitting on stuff that really gets you right in the heart. He starts saying the tongue is the worst thing that can happen if it's not surrendered to God. It'll kill people. The journey in Exodus, if you read the book of Hebrews, said they perished in unbelief because they hardened their hearts and they murmured. They killed one another with their tongues. You know, this summer we talked about what would a, what would a church look like if we could talk with one another instead of about one another. What would a church look like if our ethical commitment was that if anybody has anything against one another, we follow the road map? And you know what the map says? If you have anything against your brother, go to him. Because when your brother finds out here that they're having a meeting over here, and the brother here is the subject of the meeting, or it could be a sister, we begin to die in unbelief. In the middle of all of the talk of human sexuality, you know what I really want to do? I want to ask the church to study the things that are important. In the book of Galatians, when it talks about the things that are of the flesh that kill the spirit, because the Bible says in the flesh, it is impossible to please God. Just say that line, in the flesh it's impossible to please God. In the flesh it's impossible to please God. So we live by the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says. Not by the flesh. We live by the Spirit. And the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. But in those lusts of the flesh, if, if you live in that category of human life, it says it's impossible to please God. And do you know what it says? It says, in fact, these will not be found in the kingdom of heaven. Meaning whether you're in the church or whether you're out of the church, you can put a barrier up in the journey that comes insurmountable. And do you know the amazing thing about that? Human sexuality is mentioned two times, but more than a half a dozen times what happens with the tongue is mentioned. It says that the way to miss out on the kingdom of God is to live out of gossip and backbiting and quarrelsomeness and envy and strife. And it says these will not be found there. But the good news is this. There is a grace of God that helps us. We can dedicate this. We can dedicate these. We can dedicate our feet. We can dedicate our minds. As a matter of fact, Paul's remedy to start on the journey in the proper way is to present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto God. And this is your reasonable service of worship. So sisters and brothers, I want to invite you to the greatest journey the world knows. It's to join hands and hearts and heads and hands and feet with one another 
and to walk in such a way that the Bible's our roadmap. God's commands become our moral imperative. We live by the Word of God, not by the Word of another, but by the Word of God. And if we stumble, if we fall, if we miss the mark, we confess our sin to a God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it takes that confession. It takes that repentance. It takes that heart before God. It takes that contract. You see, it's like a marriage. In a marriage, you make a vow before God in front of the church. And exciting things begin to happen. Rick Stetson shared with the men yesterday in the men's meeting. And it was a, it was a glorious message. Rick was talking about passing by a mission when God had called him to the mission and how it haunted him. And the next time he jumped on the mission. But when he got on the mission, he was up on the roof of a house because they were cleaning up from, from Hurricane Katrina down in Mississippi. That's spoken like a true Mississippian too. You, you can't say Mississippi. Mississippians just say one, one letter. They run it together. Mississippian. They say it so fast it took me three years to learn what they were saying living down there. But he said he looked out of the corner of his eye and there was a little girl on the roof. and She was just waving at him. And Rick was thinking, man, we got to get off this roof. I'm bad paraphrase. He said it so much better than I could say it. But he said it was the end of the day. You know, one of those ends where the kids are restless, the patients are short. He's worried that the kids are going to jump off the roof because they think they can and break their legs and things like that. And all of a sudden there's this little girl just waving. She was excited. And that excitement got in Rick Stetson's heart. And he's been leading our youth and been a leader in our church ever since he said yes to the journey by faith. And God's been exciting his heart. And I'll tell you, it was exciting for all of us yesterday to hear about it. Rick, thank you for the blessing. The joy, the excitement, the ability to be dedicated all comes from the strength of being in the journey. The last bit of advice my dad gave me before I got married, let me tell you, that was a candid conversation. Truck driver and an aspiring preacher. And I asked him the question, I said, Dad, how can you ever do it? How can you be faithful to your, your vows like that? I don't know if you can do it. In my dad's inimitable way, he said, that's a lame brain comment. You know, my dad, good old South Jersey truck driver, he just said it how it is. That's a lame brain comment. And uh, I didn't know a thing about it, so I just shut up. He said, you can't keep it, a marriage covenant, all by yourself. You can't do it. That's what Doreen is there for. But when you live with the person that's God's person, that's the right person, strength comes to you. Gives you something you never would have had on your own. You know, 38 years later, I think that'll preach. Because over and over again in my life, strength has come to me because I'm not two, 
but we're one. And the church is one body. We have one faith, one hope, one baptism, one God who is all and in all, and the Bible says He's in you all. And when you exercise your faith to go on a journey that you'll never be perfect in, you'll never succeed in, you realize this one thing. You don't need to all alone. We have Jesus. We have His Word. We have one another. And the strength that comes from the prayers and the faithful obedience and the excitement of the church. So brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you by grace through faith if you respond to this message simply by saying in your heart, Ron, we will walk with one another in the journey of faith throughout this coming year. Lent is going to be a journey to the cross. And we're going to just journey together until finally I get to June. And in June, I'm going to pass my torch off to another. You know what I want to have in June? I want to have a torch passing service. I want Bruce Phillips to be here. I want Pastor Glenn to be here. I want to be here, and we're going to pass the torch off so that Trinity has in your eye four generations of pastors who have been called to serve you and who recognize that the joy is in the journey. And by grace through faith, you're invited to walk that way. And the end result of that walk will be everlasting joy upon our heads as we finally come to Zion with everlasting joy. Will you stand and let's pray together. Well, Lord, if the joy is in the journey and you've invited us to journey with you, then we need to step out. And so I'm asking a commitment from our people in your mind and in your heart. Will you say yes today to God to step out on that journey? We already know it's a step forward in service. It's a step forward in giving. It's a step forward in our time with God. But it's a step forward together for the mission of the church that can reform the world. Will you say yes to that? Are you willing to embark on that journey? Lord, we consecrate ourselves to your purpose, to your mission, to your high calling. Send us together on a journey, and this we know, the people who go with God can do anything but fail. These things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.